Good morning, good afternoon, I should say. My name is Chris Lane, uh, I'm the senior pastor, and we have just had the most wonderful two days of conference. We've been running the Global Leadership Summit in partnership with the Willow Creek Association for seven years now, I think. That means, if you don't know, 160,000 plus leaders worldwide participate in this. We were one of the first churches in the UK to take it up and to offer it. And as such, we have, over the years, just been privileged and thrilled and excited to host this thing. But I think this one we have just had was the best. And uh, it was the best for a whole host of reasons, but I want to just affirm you guys. We're a little thin on numbers today, and I'm not surprised, because over 80 volunteers from the church just worked their selves to death. And it was fabulous. We had over 400 leaders. We, we've just had an amazing time, not, not just getting good information and swapping ideas, but it's been an encounter with Jesus. It's been transformational. And, and I personally feel immensely proud to be part of this church and immensely privileged to have just been part of this last two days. So a mental note for yourselves, next year when it comes around, you may want to volunteer, you may want to attend it if you've not sampled that before, but it's been so worthwhile. Well, without further ado then, uh, I want to launch into a new series. Um, can I just say that there's a book on the bookstall, I, I got them to, to put in a number of these in. Uh, uh, we're going to be looking at Jonah. And this is a book by a friend of ours, a friend of mine, Greg Haslam. He's the minister of uh, Westminster Central Chapel up in London. Uh, a, rare, a very, very good communicator, but a theologian, a thinker too. If you get this book, you will get far more out of this than you will get out of my sermons. There just isn't possible uh, in, the, in the course of a short series of sermons to, to sort of give you everything. So you will find that a useful study guide. And Fliss, asked, my wife, asked me to mention that the, the vineyard study books are in stock again, so you, know, you can get those. Uh, right, I'm going to give this to that lady in the turquoise thing, so there you, hey, whoa, that was good. I'll take somebody's eye out if I, if I, there's, now which one of you blonde ladies is going to have this? Get, watch it, I don't take an eye out. There you go, well done. Great, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you to you because you pour out your riches upon us and Lord God, you are full of grace, you are full of mercy, and we want to know you as you would be known. Lord, we all come to you with our own ideas of what God could be like, should be like, is, or whatever. But Father, we want you to be yourself with us so that we can be ourselves with you. And so in this series, whatever else you teach us, wherever else you take us, would you reveal more of your sovereign self to us? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to do something which we can do with the book of Jonah, but it's not easy with most passages or books in the Bible. I'm going to read the whole thing now. There's 40 verses, four chapters, there's a little sort of psalm bit in the middle, and uh, I'm going to read it through. So I'm going to pull up a chair, get all sort of homey, and read this. A little bit of background, written approximately 700 years before Jesus. It's an unusual book in the sense that it is a narrative. It's a story from beginning to end, and reads like a story. And uh, 
let, let me just do it now and we'll see what comes out of it, okay? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went down to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, they said, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Uh, where do you come from? Uh, what's your country? Uh, from what people are you? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, God, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God and said, In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swelled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, and my prayer rose to you, to your temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. 
I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city, there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I just want to be, I don't want to die. The Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, which there are nearly 
120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. This is a great story, and it's an interesting one because, as one commentator has said, it almost should finish at the end of chapter 3, you know, where the Ninevites repent and, you know, God relents from sending calamity upon them. It would have seemingly made so much more sense if it had finished there. But then we get this last bit, this interaction with God and Jonah and the plant and all the rest of it. We'll look at that in two or three weeks' time. It's interesting. Let me just run through the principal characters, like a theater, you know, a play. Who are the principal characters in this? Well, first and foremost, this book is about God, about the character of God. And there are three almost creedal statements in this passage. The first one is, um, actually, I'm going to just back up for a minute. I want to go through the cast first. There's God. Secondly, there's Nineveh, the people, this great city. This was the superpower of its day. And then thirdly, of course, there's Jonah. There is one character that is missing, and he's going to stay missing, and that's the whale. We kind of think of this as Jonah and the whale, but actually it's not about the whale. So forget the fish, okay? Right. Three characters, God, Nineveh, Jonah. Now, let's go back to looking at God. These creedal statements. First of all, Jonah chapter 1, verse 9. I'll just turn to that and read it. When challenged by the sailors as to whom Jonah serves, he says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. The response of the sailors, you will recall, was terror when they heard that. Now, let me just remind you the way that, that the gods seemed to work then. Every nation, every major city had its own patron gods. And the one that they all secretly feared was the god of the Hebrews, Yahweh. The curious thing was you couldn't really, forgive the nautical expression, jump ship. So if you were a citizen of Nineveh, the way they viewed it was you were stuck with Molech or Baal or whoever it was. And although you might secretly and begrudgingly admire the God of the Hebrews, tough, you're a Ninevite. So they're all worshipping and crying out to their own gods. But the reality is they all know who the real and great God is. And so when this stowaway, well, not a stowaway, this guy who's been asleep in the hold says that he has offended the God of the Hebrews. They go, what? Why didn't you say something? And it strikes terror in their hearts. And so this first affirmation that the Lord is the God of heaven, of both sea and earth, is a creedal statement. It's a reminder to all and sundry who read this book that we are dealing with the head honcho the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The second thing, and many of you will be familiar with little, this little phrase, although you, you may not have immediately identified that it came from Jonah. But the second thing, John 2.9 says this, salvation comes from the Lord and no other. Whatever you may put your hope in, 
be it another idol or whatever, a pagan god, or in our context, you may put your hope in your intellect, or the great education that you had, or the great education that you're, you're, you're buying for your children, or the job you've got, or the prospects, or the wife, or the house, or the career, or the whatever, whatever we sort of secretly lean back into as our security. It's all myth and legend, because salvation and rescue and our future is intimately tied up with the Lord God and no other. Salvation comes from God. And the third little statement, creedal statement if you like, is in Jonah chapter 4 verse 2 when Jonah complains to God saying, I know what you're like. And what he says God is like, he says, I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. So we've got these three statements, which kind of like, they're like hooks that, you know, like, almost like curtain hooks that the curtain of the book hangs on. These three hooks. One, that the Lord God is the God of heaven and earth and there is no other. Secondly, that salvation belongs to God. He is our only hope, our only rescuer. And third, God, and thank God, is gracious and compassionate. Because of the truth of the matter is, this supreme being could be any way he liked. He could be an angry God. He could be a jealous God in the sense that he would just beat us up every time we stepped out of line. He could be a tyrant, a despot, and who could stop him? None. But God, this God, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, the God who is our Jesus, is gracious and compassionate and abounding in love. That's all by way of background on God. Secondly, moving rather more quickly now, Nineveh, and you can do your own research on this, but I wouldn't recommend it. I made the mistake of Wikipediaing Nineveh and doing a little bit of research. I want to know a bit more about it. Nineveh was the Third Reich of its age. It was a terrifying military and very aggressive nation. I don't want to go in detail, but I kid you not, I gagged. One of their specialities, and I'll say this much, was that when they conquered a city or a nation, they would lay siege, they would bring them to their knees, they would move in, and their speciality, something that requires great skill and patience, was flaying alive every man, woman, child, baby, animal, and nailing it to the woodwork around the city. It's repulsive. Forgive me if I've offended you, but you need to know what these people are like. You need to know who it is that God is calling Jonah to. Moving on. The third character is Jonah. Jonah is what one might call a house prophet. Actually, we do read of him before. He's uh, mentioned in 2 Kings 14.25. And as one of Jeroboam II's house prophets, uh, one of the current king's predecessors, 
He was given the job of prophesying by God a message of hope and prosperity. At that time, there was a lot of turmoil in the nation because the, the boundaries were, were seen as very fluid. And Jonah was given the task of speaking to Jeroboam too and saying, you need to reestablish the traditional boundaries. And if you do so, prosperity and peace will return to the land. And he did that. And guess what? Prosperity and peace returned to the land. Way to go, Jonah! That's Jonah. Give Jonah a round of applause. Hey, come over. What's your pleasure, Jonah? Let me get you a drink. And that was the lifestyle that Jonah enjoyed from then on. A house prophet sat at the head table at every high feast and holiday, faded and lauded and applauded. He brought this great message. He was good news. And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to Nineveh. Tell them that I'm going to destroy them. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Jonah had a bad feeling about this. And I'm not surprised. You mean, excuse me, God, I, you, know, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm sorry, but I've got to be up in the temple. There's a, there's a big sort of uh, celebration happening this afternoon. You want me to do what? Go, go to Nineveh. Preach a message of, but, but, but God, you know, isn't there somebody better who could go? I mean, <clears throat> oh. No wonder Jonah runs. But Jonah had forgotten a vital, a vital truth. And that's this, that, that God delights in using ordinary and very weak people. I call it the power of one. You know, the earlier, earlier on in the year, we, we spent a lot of time talking about community. But actually, the extraordinary paradox in all of this is that although we get to do this together and the church is called to be together and God refers to us as one body and so on, and yet in that, each and every one of us can have a personal and meaningful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls us by name. The scripture says he knows the very numbers of the hairs on our head. He knows every detail about us. And he speaks to us because he has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. Sometimes we may be called to bring good news. Hallelujah. Thank God for good news. Other times we may be called to something a little more challenging. But whatever the circumstances, we can call it the power of one. Because one, when one heart, one mind, one life is submitted to God, then we find that his grace is sufficient for us. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to... This was something I just decided to do this quite late on this week. But we're actually now going to watch a short video from the GLS. And uh, it speaks for itself. But it's all about the power of one. And all about how God's grace in one person can do extraordinary things. My grace is sufficient for you. 
I, I found that um, DVD profoundly moving, that this slip of a woman, this feeble-voiced woman, in a culture where female babies are still, are still put to death because they're not the right sex, where in the north of the country, we ourselves have seen women being led like cattle by a man with a piece of string around their wrist. That this slip of a woman, believing in the goodness of God and believing that God's grace is sufficient for her, should be setting captives free, 4,000 slaves. Jonah forgot that. But God's grace is sufficient for us. My prayer over these next few weeks is that we will rediscover that truth. And based on that, we'll discover a new courage. And just as Jonah awoke in the, in the belly of that ship from a deep sleep, I pray that I, that we, will wake up. Would you all stand with me, please? There may be many reasons why you might like to come forward for prayer this afternoon. My right, your left. But the prayer team before the service felt that there may be someone here with back problems, a slip disc, a trapped nerve, you're in a lot of pain or, or whatever. Let's, let's pray for you. There may be somebody with arthritis and... and uh, uh, painful wrists, let's pray for you. Somebody who's uh, had surgery to the right knee but it's still giving them some jip, let's pray for you. Someone who is with a broken bone which has healed in the wrong position, let's pray for you. Somebody who is uh, suffering and indeed recovering from food poisoning, uh, let's pray for you. And finally, somebody who has dental problems which just seem not to be able to be fixed, let's pray for you. A any, any of those that resonate with you, or for any other reason, just go to my right, your left, after I've said the blessing and get prayer. We're, there isn't time to finish with the song, but I'm going to pray the blessing now. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us, give us his peace. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week.